Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, July 12th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. The Slash Film editorial director, Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast, the Slash Film senior writer, Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? So not much has actually happened in the world of movies since I, you last heard from us on Friday. But one thing did happen. Black Widow came out in theaters, and uh, that box office report is is very interesting we're going to dive into it in today's episode it's going to be a shorter episode uh but ben tell us about the black widow's performance yeah black widow uh actually did better than uh f9 last week it, it debuted to 80 million dollars uh domestically at the box office and then it also pulled in an additional 78 million dollars internationally so that's uh that's 158 million for those of you who are keeping score at home yeah, and our headline on Slash Film was Black Widow smashes pandemic box office records with the biggest opening since Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. So <laughs> is everything returning to normal, Ben? Is is this uh is it good is this a good sign that the the theatrical business I we were all kind of doom and gloom during the pandemic. Right. We were all like saying, you know, because all this premiere access was popping up, uh, Warner Brothers was going to HBO Max direct and we were kind of like oh this is bad for movie theaters do, do you does this is this a good sign that that isn't the case i mean it's a better sign right like we're we're <laughs> on the way there but we're not fully there yet like the the past few um marvel studios movies that debuted uh like in our article we have that spider-man far from home made 185 million dollars in its uh debut weekend and this just made you know, 80 domestically. So, um, you know, there's a long way to go before we get back to pre-pandemic numbers, even for the biggest, literally the biggest blockbusters that Hollywood is making right now with these MCU projects. Um, so yeah, we're, I was going to say 80 million for a Marvel movie. 80 million sounds like a lot, but it's not a lot in terms of the MCU. Like, it's, mm -hmm. to give you an idea, I think that's like in the top uh, or the bottom of like five or six of the Marvel movies, and there's mm -hmm. been a lot of them. Uh, it's, you know, only 15 million above Thor, which came out 10 years ago. 
So yeah, my just... favorite thing, and you may have have queued this up for us to talk about later, but Disney sent out this big press release that has you know all these breakdowns of how the movie did. And my favorite thing in the entire Disney press release was that uh, Black Widow's opening is the highest domestic opening weekend for a Marvel Cinematic Universe origin story after Black Panther and Captain Marvel. It's like you know, I know you don't care about sports, Peter, but sometimes um, <laughs> if you're watching, I don't know, a baseball game or something, uh... and there's not really anything going on the announcers it's clear to me that they just have their teams like you know during lulls in the action they just have their teams just crunching numbers uh you know statistics and stuff and they'll be like wow that's the first time this is this has happened uh on a tuesday uh while the temperature is over 75 degrees since 1941 (laughs) you know all these different caveats you know have to go into this number so i just love the uh the Disney Marvel um, spin machine there trying to trying to make this seem like a bigger deal than it is. Oh, I didn't even look at this press release, but look, looking at the numbers, that doesn't seem to add up. Is that the worldwide number? I believe guessing? so, yes. Oh, okay. And, and there's a, a Disney Plus component to it, which I'm sure we'll talk about soon. Yeah, oh, so they're adding that into the equation. Because I was going to mm-hmm. say, like, this is $5 million below Doctor Strange, which came out five years ago, which, I mean, isn't bad. Like, you know, this is in line with like Ant-Man and the Wasp. It did like five million more than Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, and that that was an established character. So, right, right. so is is this bad? If this wasn't – if we weren't coming off a pandemic, would this number be bad? Man, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a tough um... – if we weren't, man, I mean, I, I, Peter, honestly, I can't even fathom <laughs> what that scenario would look like because the entire MCU, well, not the entire, but uh, phase four of the MCU, as we know it, would not exist, right? Like if we weren't coming off a pandemic, this would yeah. have been the first thing that people would have seen after Spider-Man Far From Home. And we wouldn't even have gotten any of the Disney Plus TV shows yet. And we're already, you know, f- almost full, three full shows into that run uh, with the release of this movie. So the um, the Marvel <laughs> landscape is in such a drastically different place. I don't even know how I would define what was a, a success uh, in, in this fake scenario that you lay out. <laughs> yeah, it, on one hand, I want to say in the optimistic point of view, I'm like Ant-Man and the Wasp did $75 million on opening weekend, and that's $5 million less than this. And that was an established character. So, I mean, this is better than that. So, you know, this would be better. But... I, I don't know. I, I feel like Black Widow has been, you know, in these movies since what Iron Man two. That's over ten years. Mm-hmm. I feel like it should be higher. I mean, it, it definitely should be higher because there's obviously additional revenue streams, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, and if if that wasn't available, maybe this number would be higher. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, Okay, uh, before we get to some other stuff, I wanted to say, let's look at the the box office for 2021 as a whole. So so the opening weekend of A Quiet Place Part 2, I think like that was the first big one coming out of the pandemic. Or actually, no, probably Godzilla versus Kong. Actually, yeah, I remember there being a lot of, of talk about that. Yeah, so there was A Quiet Place, there was uh, Fast 9, Godzilla versus Kong, Cruella, uh, the conjuring the devil made me do it. Um, but you know, even if you look at a quiet place part two, that opening weekend was 47 million, but then, you know, I'm sure that movie was made for a lot less money than, mm-hmm, than black mm-hmm. widow. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I, I hope that it's recovering. I hope that, uh, we, we get back to normal, but 
uh, <laughs> you know, okay, let's let's talk about the the elephant in the room, and that is this this premier access number that Disney has released. And so basically, Black Widow is available in theaters, but it was also available day and date for Disney Plus subscribers on Premier Access, and you could pay an extra, what was it? It was- I think it was $30. $30. Yeah. So about the price of like two movie tickets in Los Angeles. And uh, Disney actually, you know, when they sent out this press release, when they actually made these announcements, they actually gave out the Disney Plus number, which is 60 million, which by the way, number one, I didn't think Disney would actually announce a Disney Plus number because they don't need to, right? <laughs> uh, number two, I thought if they did announce a Disney Plus number, maybe they would announce it the next week because then you have like, oh, this big, you know, Black Widow came out and it's the biggest movie since Rise of Skywalker at the box office. You have that positive spin. And then like next week, you can announce like this big Disney Plus number and you get two mm-hmm. waves of like, we won two times. But it seems to me the fact that they had to group this in with the theatrical number in this press release makes me think that they don't, they're not happy with this theatrical number. I don't know. I kind of wonder how much of it is like um, just them wanting to kind of justify the fact that they screwed up by not making a Black Widow movie eight years (laughs) ago or something, you know, like they're, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I feel like, and I guess we'll, maybe we'll talk about this. We by the way, we know why that is. It wasn't because of Disney. It was because of Ike Perlmutter. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, but just the the idea of a, of a, there's a little bit of a sense to me anyway, and, and I'm sure other people disagree with this, but to me, it sort of feels like the Black Widow movie like missed its window. There's a sense, you know, yeah. I have that sense where it, like, I feel like this would have made a bigger impact if this happened, yeah, five, seven years ago or something like that, like in the middle of, in the lead up to, um, Avengers Endgame instead of as sort of almost like an afterthought. Um, so to me, all of this, all of these box office numbers and the spin and all this kind of stuff just sort of seems to me like Disney just being like, hey, this movie is a success, right? Like we we made this uh, finally <laughs> so and, and it did well. We're telling you that it did well. That's kind of the, the tone that I get from this. Yeah, I think you nailed it by saying it should have come out before Endgame because once you put Endgame into the equation and you know the fate of this character, it's like, do you really need this story? Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of people might feel that way, but I I guess it did well at the box office. So I, you know, maybe I'm wrong there. Um, I okay. So the most interesting part of this is Disney touting this Disney premiere premiere access number that they they made. And that sixty million is almost the same as the amount of money that they made in theaters. I mean, mm-hmm. it's slightly lower. What is that like one twenty five percent lower? Maybe <laughs> something like that. <laughs> I'm doing my Peter, math. I can't do math on the yeah. fly. What are you talking about yeah. here? <laughs> uh, but so it, it's almost equivalent to what they made in theaters, and that to me also feels like. They're boasting about that because maybe they want to continue that revenue stream of being able to, you know, when, when movies hit theaters, the the studio takes a little bit more than half of that. You know, some of that goes to the theater. Actually, it, and on the first weekend, it's actually very lopsided into the studio's hand. But by the end, 
it ends up being about half. Mm-hmm. Um, so here with Disney Premier Access, Disney takes 100% of the money. Right. And, and you'd think that they would want that because then they don't have to give money to the exhibitors. But, uh, you know, before this pandemic, I, I don't feel like there was any – there was uh, – there was uh, – the studios kept on pushing for this premiere VOD day and date stuff. And the exhibitors were like, no, we won't show your films. Right. Uh, it feels like this pandemic has kind of turned, you know, turned the whole thing around. And now that Disney has gotten a taste of this money, what do you think this means for the future of movies? Yeah, I really do think that this, um, the, the Disney plus premiere access tier is not going to go away anytime soon. You know, we, we know that the um, HBO, like the Warner media deal where they're releasing all of their 2021 movies uh, at the same time, day and date in theaters and on HBO max is only going to last this year. They've said multiple times, like once 2022 rolls, rolls around, that's not going to happen anymore, or at least not for every single movie. They could do it on a case by case basis or something. Um, but I really think that Disney is going to stick with this for a while because uh, Kareem Daniel, who was just promoted to the the chairman of Disney Media and Entertainment, uh, he said there's a the, in in this big press release there's a quote from him that says Black Widow's strong performance this weekend affirms our flexible dis- uh, distribution strategy of making franchise films available in theaters for a true cinematic experience and as COVID concerns continue globally providing choice to consumers who prefer to watch at home on Disney plus. <laughs> so the idea that they're basically saying like, look, this, um, you know, we're right in making this decision. Uh, I don't know if they're, if they're talking to exhibitors here, if they're just asking them to read between the lines, if they're just talking to the industry at large, um, to analysts, you know, people who pay attention to this stuff, but it seems like they're saying, um, you know, especially like as long as COVID is a thing and then maybe even beyond that, we're going to continue to, to do this. Um, and of course, whether or not they continue to, to do it in like a major way remains to be seen on every single, you know, big movie or whatever. Like, I think I want to say that, um, that we wrote a story a little while ago that the next Marvel movie that comes out, which I think is uh, Shang-Chi is getting, it is not going to do the, um, the Disney plus thing, or maybe they haven't committed one way or another yet. I know it's going to be uh, in theaters. Um, obviously that's going to be, you know, a big deal for them, but I don't recall the, the specifics there. Do you remember Peter? Uh, yeah. They said the, it remains to be seen if okay. Shang-Chi is going, it is going to go to theaters definitely, but mm-hmm. it's, it remains to be seen if they'll do premiere access. Yeah. So I don't know after this and, and like you said, you know, they made $60 million through premier access and 80 million in the domestic box office. That's a pretty decent split. And, uh, and if they're, you know, touting in this press release, Hey, you know, this works. Um, why wouldn't they continue to do it? Yeah. I, and <laughs> I don't know, it, it really makes me wonder, like you bring up during the pandemic and I, I think it's a smart strategy to keep this game plan around while, you know, COVID is still a very big thing. But what about after? I mean, in the theor- theoretical world where we don't have to worry about COVID anymore, Ben. Like, do you think Disney is going to stop doing these premiere access? Well, I mean, I guess that's presupposing there is a world where we no longer have to worry about COVID, which I realize kind of sounds bleak, but um, hey, I don't know. Hey, even I, the Avengers had a post-snap world, so... I mean, that's true, but I, I honestly do not know how long it's going to be 
Um, you know, considering, and I, again, I'm not like an epidemiologist, please don't <laughs> trust me. I have not even read that many articles about this, but yeah. just the idea, um, you know, the, the sense that I get, uh, and, and please maybe like send us an email if you know data that, that uh, speak contrary to this, but the sense that I get is that like with the vaccination, uh, campaign sort of leveling off and these variants, you know, making the rounds, like it could, COVID could be with us in some form for the foreseeable future. Like, you know, I think if we were to talk about a post-COVID scenario, I don't even know how many years out in the future we would have to be talking to even imagine a, a time when it has been completely eradicated and and is no longer a threat, you know, on, on, on any level. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like, will the will? Well, okay. I don't want to say at an any level, but even... on a level that, like, uh, on a level that would stop people from going to movie theaters. Do you know what I mean? Like, because obviously, I think this is going to be something we're going to have to worry about for <laughs> many years to come. But right. I don't I, like. I, you have you gone back to the movie theater yet? I did. I went to see F9 in an IMAX F9. theater. Oh, yeah. That was my my big return. I have not been back since. That was the <laughs> only one that I did. Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like you are one of the more cautious people I know. And if you're going back, then I feel like many people are more comfortable to go back. And the fact that, that all these people, you know, half the people, or I don't want to say half the people because – what like a thirty dollar premiere access is the about the cost of three tickets at the at like the actual national average. Yeah, yeah. So you know you could you could have one person renting it, or you could have a family of five or six. You don't know, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm very curious to see how this turns out. I know Disney before the pandemic was so against the idea of day and date. Like they they were actually like one of the only studios that was making a ton of money from the theatrical experience and wanted to keep, keep that revenue stream that way. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I'm very curious to see how this turns out. I, I, I was, I was doing some research while you were talking and I was, I was wondering, is this the biggest uh, VOD release of all time? For like the first week and i couldn't find an answer uh-huh. for this but forbes uh um, scott mendelson um he says it certainly set a record for vot re- re- revenue for a single title although it still pales compared to say the 96 million domestic opening week that the vhs debut of aladdin and the king of thieves which brought Robin Williams back as the genie in wow. August 1996. If we go by straight $30 per lease worldwide, that's 2 million Disney Plus households that would have had to pay extra to watch Black Widow at home instead of or along with the theatrical expi- uh, exhibition. So that's on par with an average of 2.23 million domestic viewers per episode of like CW's The Flash during season six. I don't know. Anyways, it's interesting. I'm curious to see how this whole thing evolves and shakes out. This is – I don't want to be all doom and gloom and worry about the future, but this this number is very uh, – both the numbers are actually kind of exciting to me that people are still willing to go to theaters to see – see these movies i wonder <laughs> i wonder if we're gonna see those numbers on like the middle end of movies you know not just the the high-end blockbusters 
are people yeah that's the thing is like i i think um you know there's a difference between being doom and gloom and then having like a uh, a healthy um <laughs> curiosity <laughs> and and sort of uh you know maybe like perverse um almost like voyeuristic uh look at like what is actually going on here and i i think we're it's still too early for anybody to make any sort of grand proclamations about the return of cinema or the death of cinema one way or the other. Um, yeah, we're still in this weird middle period where like, you know, the, arguably the biggest movies on the planet are, are pulling in 80 million domestically. And um, I, I wonder what that looks like in six months, nine months, a year from now, like are those numbers going to continue to rise? Are they going to continue to, uh, to stay stagnant like this? And, and are the Disney plus numbers going to still be, a big factor here. Yeah. Lots of questions left. I mean, this is all antidotal, but you know, I've been talking a lot to like some of my friends who are not film fanatics or not part of film Twitter. And they're all like, Oh, we love this. We don't want to, you know, I I hope all the big movies do this so I can just watch it at home. And like, part of me is like, Oh no, this is the beginning of the end. (laughs) But uh, yeah. Anyways. Okay. Uh, You can read more about this on slash home.com. You can find, Slash Film Daily on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter.com. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.